0: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of The Bible in Life. So glad you can join me again as we uh, jump into the text of Scripture and uh, wrestle with some things that I think today will be super helpful to you. In fact, this passage we're going to look at today has been one of the passages that has really shaped my life and changed my life in some really deep ways. I'm excited to share it with you. But before we jump into that, uh, just a couple announcements. I'm preparing this week's super busy week. I'm preparing... To head uh, in a few days over to the Oregon coast where I'm going to be speaking at Wynema Week of Missions. It's a missions camp on right on the coast and uh, be sharing six messages, all of which will be right around the 45 minute mark. So a lot of material to prepare and I'm going to be exploring the book of Galatians and really the theme of the gospel and mission in Galatians with the folks there at Wynema Week of Mission. So excited about that. If you uh, think about it, pray for me this week as I finish my preparations for that and as my wife and I travel there on Sunday at the beginning of next week. So that'll be uh, a really busy time and a great time just to share with those folks there. Don't worry, there will still be a podcast next week even while I'm uh, teaching over there on the coast. So that's next week. And then also uh, I have put together a Simple, small, basic introduction to the Bible course on my website called Get a Grip on the Bible. It's uh, really a pretty fundamental little introduction to the Bible. That if you're like really trying to engage with the Bible for the first time, or maybe you're just getting back into the Bible, maybe you've tried to read the Bible and you've just found it intimidating, confusing, hard to make sense of. You know, you've been going to church for a while, and your pastor said you should read the Bible. You try, it and you just struggle, and you just haven't really had anyone to give you any basic guidance on how the Bible's put together, how it works. Uh, what the basic flow of the story is and how to how to read it well. If you haven't really had any guidance in that, that's what this course is all about about. It's called Get a Grip on the Bible. And you can find it on the courses page of my website. I'll put a link in the notes below on that. But here's why I bring that up right now: is beginning tomorrow evening. So Tuesday, July 23rd at 7 p.m. from till Thursday, July 25th at 7 p.m. So 48 hours. Uh, I am running a short flash sale on that course. And instead of $15, which is super cheap, anyhow, I'm dropping it down to just 10 bucks. So $10. For a introduction to the Bible that I'm convinced, if you've ever felt intimidated, confused, not sure how the Bible works, you're trying to engage the Bible, this little course can really help you get started. So 10 bucks beginning tomorrow evening, July 23rd at uh, at 7 p.m. until Thursday, July 25th at 7 p.m. And again, I'll put the link to that down in the notes below. I would encourage you if you're really wanted to grow in your faith, and you really wanted to dig into the Bible and be able to read it with more confidence and less confusion, then jump into the Get a Grip in the Bible course, all right? All right, with that, let's jump into uh, the passage we're at. We began last week this series, really just on the freedom that, that we have been given in Christ and how God's grace really sets us free, and it doesn't just set us free from the penalty of sin. Um... By forgiveness, it does that. God forgives our sins by his grace. We're justified. We're put in a right relationship with God. And that's really the first four or five chapters of Romans. But beginning in Romans chapter 6, Paul really takes a shift and says, all right, yeah, that's good, but should we just keep on sinning so that grace may abound? If God poured out his grace on us so that he forgave our sins and put us in a right relationship with himself, made us a part of his people, well, then why not keep on sinning so God can keep pouring out more grace on us? And in Romans chapter 6, says, hold on, hold on, hold on, that's a misunderstanding of grace because grace does more than just free us from the penalty of sin. Grace also frees us from the power of sin, and Paul takes that up beginning in Romans chapter 6. And so last week, we gave an overview of Romans 6, 7, and 8 so that we can have kind of the big picture of where we're going. And we pointed out that Paul is playing question and answer in this section and that he asks four questions and gives then the answers to those questions over uh, these few chapters. All right. And so we're going to pick up with question number one and look at Paul's answer in detail in this this podcast and this episode. All right. So question number one is, should we go on sinning so that uh, grace may abound, that grace may overflow to us. Since sin led to grace, why not keep sinning so they can lead to more grace, right? That's sort of the logic of this question. And Paul's kind of anticipating this response. All right, you've proven, Paul, that God is very gracious. He's been gracious to us in our sin. So since God is so gracious, why not keep sinning that grace may increase? And Paul's answer to that, um, the first paragraph of Romans chapter 6 gives his initial answer to that. And then the second paragraph gives kind of like part two of that answer. How do we live out uh, this freedom that we have? And so two paragraphs. So two different podcasts answering this question. So let's begin with the the first part of the answer. Should we go on sinning that grace may increase? And Paul says, may it never be. Like in verse 2 Paul, of Romans 6 he says, may it never be. It's a strong, like some translations even try to pick up the force it by saying, God forbid. Why, why not then? Well, if that's not the way it's supposed to be, why not? Paul says, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? What I want you to notice is the tense of that verb. Paul doesn't say, we're supposed to die to sin. We need to die to sin. What he says is, how shall we who died? Accomplished fact, past tense, it's already happened. And so you shouldn't go on sinning that grace may increase. Why not? Because you have died to sin already. It's something that has already happened. Now to understand what Paul is getting at, we need to kind of think in terms of Paul's thought world, okay? Um, To death is essentially the ending of a relationship. Physical death is the ending of uh, the relationship between the spirit and the body. At that point in time, we can be speak of as, spoken of as dead because our our spirit and our body are separated and thus our body now is dead. It doesn't have the spirit to give it any life in it, right? Well, um, maybe you've heard the phrase, she's dead to me, he's dead to me. I always think of the, the old classic movie, Fiddler on the Roof, where... Uh, Tevye, this old-school conservative Orthodox Jew, has this daughter who wants to marry a Gentile. And it just blows his mind, and he can't handle it. And he has this scene where he's wrestling with he loves his daughter, but she's wanting to make this choice that goes against all their customs. And he's wrestling with that in that scene. And at the end of the scene, he takes his wheelbarrow where he's out farming. He picks up his wheelbarrow, and he says, No, she's dead to me. And he walks off screen. That's the idea that Paul has in mind when he says, "How shall we who died to sin still live in it?" It's this ending of a relationship. Um, sin is—it's dead to me. It—it uh, it doesn't have any relationship with me. That's the force of what Paul is getting at, and so our relationship with with sin has so fundamentally changed by what God and His grace has done in our life that. We can be spoken of as dead to sin and sin can be spoken of as dead to us. That relationship has so been so severed, so broken, so changed that now sin is dead to us, right? So how shall we who died to sin still live in it? We're dead to it. Well, when did that happen? How did we die to sin? Because it doesn't always feel that way very much, does it? Listen to what he says, verse 3 of Romans 6. He says, or do you not know? that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. This moment when we united with Jesus through our faith in him and embodied in our baptism into him, we were baptized into his death. And so when we are immersed in the water of baptism and we're put down under the water of baptism, that's the reason why... um, the early church uses the word baptized. That word just means immerse. It means to dip. And so to be immersed in the water baptism is like to be buried into death. That's the picture of that action. And so Paul says, when you put your faith in Jesus and were immersed into into him, you were baptized into him, well, there, that union into Christ was like uniting with his death. And so he goes on and says in verse 4, Therefore, We have been buried with him, buried with Jesus, right? That picture, buried with Jesus through baptism into death, this death to sin, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too should walk in a newness of life. And so coming into Christ, we have experienced a death burial, and resurrection, a death specifically in this context to sin, and a resurrection to new life, to a new kind of life, but also a new ability of life, a new power for life, because the relationship with sin now has been severed and broken so strongly and so completely that it can be spoken of as death. Um, He says in verse 5, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, being able to live this new resurrection life, this new powerful life because of the resurrection of Jesus. And so we do not continue in sin because we have died to sin. In other words, sin is contrary to who we are now. We've been given a brand new kind of life with resurrection life now flowing through our heart and soul and our body. And so we're a brand new kind of human being. We're not a human being who's in bondage to sin and the sin systems of this world. And therefore sin just is contrary to who we are right now. It's not, it's no longer in keeping with who we are. We don't want to do that anymore. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. And so we don't sin anymore. In fact, in verses um, verse 6 and 7, man, this is powerful, okay? In verses 6 and 7, Paul states how starkly and dramatically uh, this is true by comparing it to being like crucified. That's how Jesus died, and so our death to sin, our death to the sin systems of this world, our death to our fallen humanity, it is like being crucified. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. He says this, knowing this, um, that's a participle, and it's the force of that participle Here is We know this because we know this, right? We should be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection because of something we know. Now, the problem is, is most Christians don't actually know this because most of the time we're not teaching this in the church. That's our problem. That's our fault. But we're supposed to know this. Paul is writing to the church at Rome, he hasn't even been to Rome yet. He didn't start the church in Rome, but he's going to be traveling there. And this letter is sort of setting the stage for his trip to visit them, to kind of give them some uh, apostolic foundation because the church at Rome started without an apostle. And so Paul is going to travel there and help form and establish this church. Uh, But he assumes they know this because it was such a central part of early Christian teaching when when the apostles were preaching Jesus and leading people to faith in Jesus, they would teach this. And we often don't. That's unfortunate. So this is something you need to know. If you don't know it, you need to know it beginning today. All right. So knowing this, what do you know? That our old self was crucified with Jesus. That's what we need to make sure we know. That when we uh, united with Jesus through faith and in baptism, um, this death happened by which Paul can describe it as our old self, our old uh, identity. Literally, the word self there is uh, anthropos, man in Greek. So it's our old man, meaning our old person. Specifically, in Paul's kind of uh, worldview, the old man is the in Adam you. Um, Adam, uh, you know, the in Adam, humanity is the fallen humanity, the humanity that is in the bondage of sin, the humanity that doesn't have the capacity to actually become holy like God is holy because of its fallenness, its weak and dying humanity. It's not new and powerful and resurrection humanity. All right, so our old identity that was uh, part of this fallen human world and the fallen human systems that was crucified with Christ. Notice the tense of the verb again. Doesn't say should be crucified. Doesn't say we need to, you know, crucify ourselves. It says was crucified. Accomplished fact. Very important. Um, Paul is letting us know that we've been given a brand new identity and part of that uh, that new identity means uh, our old identity was crucified with Christ. And then he goes on and explains the result of that in order that, he says, our body of sin. Now, scholars have wrestled with that phrase, but if you read all of Romans 6 and 7 together, you realize that Paul has this idea that somehow sin gets into our our body, our flesh, uh, uh, almost like kind of residual habits of the body where you just do certain things for so long and they become kind of reflex responses and you just respond a certain way and you don't always know why. Sin sort of takes up residence in our body and we just We just respond to certain stimuli, sometimes in very adverse ways, right? And so there are people who you you just can't, you know, because of years of abuse of alcohol, going to a bar would be a bad idea. Being around somebody who drinks would not be helpful to them. Um, Their body is just so habituated to doing certain things wrong, right? To Being in that environment itself, it's going to stir up uh, desires and there's going to be reflex responses um certain certain people you 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 can't be around certain friends because the way they talk about other people just ah and it just you know and you used to do that all the time and now right and so reflex responses or you know you're walking through the mall or driving down the street and there's a picture of or there's a good-looking woman and your reflex responses to take to take a second glance and and then that leads to other things right that's what he's getting at when he says our body of sin is how Um, sin takes up residence in our body and we begin by reflex response to just do things wrong out of habit. Well, notice what he says. Because our old identity was put to death with Jesus, he says that our body of sin might be done away with. Not always the best translation. It's the New American Standard. Done away with means void, nullified here. Um, No longer having any authority or power. The idea, think of like a check that you write void across. That check no longer has any buying power, right? The idea here is is that sin has taken up residence in our body, but guess what? Because of what has happened in Jesus, because uh, we have died to sin, our old self has been crucified, then we now have a new power over this body of sin that we didn't have before so that it, it has been kind of sucked of its power. It doesn't. It's not the ruling voice in our life anymore. It's not the thing that controls us and drives us that we can't say no to. We now have resurrection power to actually say no to our body of sin and we can begin to change our habits in a way we couldn't before we came into Christ. And so he says... That our body of sin might be uh, might lose its authority or power over us, its control of us, so that at the end of verse six, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And that's the ultimate result of all this. Why should we not go on sinning anymore? Well, because we died to sin. Don't you know that you were your old in Adam identity was crucified with Jesus, so that this sinful, fleshly body that still has residual habits, that wants to do what's wrong, no longer should be in charge so that you don't have to be a slave to sin because he who has died, he says, is freed from sin. and So we have been set free not only from the penalty of sin but the power of sin. And that's the point here in this section. And therefore, sin doesn't have to rule us. Uh, We don't have to take orders from it. We don't have to take instructions from it. We don't have to listen to it. We can say no in a way we couldn't before because we have died to sin. Now, push pause for a second. Let me just step back and offer a little reflection on something that's really important. Um, Because sometimes we we don't always understand what sin is. Um, Sin is not breaking arbitrary religious rules. Sin is not, um, you know, just breaking the rules of the church or it's not as if God just, you know, set down from on high these arbitrary religious rules that we have to keep to be in good standing with God. I actually did a little YouTube video on what is sin. You can check it out on my YouTube channel where I deal with this in more uh, fully, and it might be helpful to you. But just know this: that sin not only offends God and um, puts us in, uh, you know, problems with God's law and assaults God's character. Sin also ruins us because of we're, who we are. We're made in God's image, so we're made to be the way God is, and so sin is like poison for us. Okay. And, and so to be set free from sin is like the best news we could ever have, meaning we no longer have to do those things that are so self-destructive and bringing so much pain and hurt and ruin to ourselves and to the people around us. We've been set free from that, and we can live a new kind of life. So we need to be a people who know the truth about ourselves because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so if we think, man, I'm nothing more than just a forgiven sinner, we're probably going to live like nothing more than a forgiven sinner. If we all of a sudden realize, oh man, I'm a new creation in Christ with a new ability to live a new kind of life. I've been set free from the power of sin. And that changes how we think about ourselves. changes how we talk uh, to ourselves and our own self-talk. It changes even how we pray when we when we do sin and we do make mistakes, right, that we're 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 a new kind of human being with a corresponding new power to do what's good and beautiful and holy and right in this world. And so we can live out a new kind of life. That's why Paul ends this first paragraph here in verse eleven um, of Romans chapter six by saying, Even so, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so we need to know the new facts about us. That's the first 10 verses of this section. And then we need to think of ourselves this way. The word consider is actually calculate, add it up, do the math. That's the idea. And so you need to uh, you know, say, okay, this is who I am. If this is who God said I am, then this is who I am. And so I'm going to think about myself this way. So consider yourselves to be dead to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus, and as we begin to think of ourselves this way, our self-understanding changes, and the freedom that God has given us becomes more actualized in our life. Um, and so, those are the—that's the first part of uh, Paul's answer to uh, to why we should not sin anymore, since. Uh, grace has abounded. It's because grace has also set us free from the power of sin. So here's what I would encourage you to do as an action step. As you begin to live this out, I would encourage you to one, read through this section and kind of pray through it. Talk to God about it. I would particularly encourage you to really focus on Romans 6.6 6 and maybe even memorize that. You need to know that. And so that begins to shape how you understand yourself. So Romans 6.6, 6, maybe memorize that. But then specifically what I would encourage you to do is this. Here's the action step. Um, I would encourage you to, to tell yourself, I'm dead to sin and alive to God. I'm dead to sin. And alive to God. Because we've got to consider ourselves that, he says in verse 11. So... Um, I, would, I would encourage you uh, for the next you know, three or four weeks, every day, five to ten times a day, when you first wake up in the morning, when you, before you go to bed at night, to, to say this to yourself. I would encourage you to even say it out loud when you're alone. Find a quiet spot where you're alone in your car and remind yourself of this truth and tie it to this text. As you memorize Romans 6, 6, knowing that our old self was crucified with him and so on, tell yourself, I'm dead to sin but alive to God. I'm dead to sin, but I'm alive to God. And tell yourself that until you believe it. And as you do that, you'll begin to understand who you really are in Christ, that you have a new identity that's free from the poison of sin so that you can live a very new kind of life. All right. Next week's podcast, we will pick up with part two of Paul's answer because part two is very important. It's like it's all well and good that God says this, but I don't always feel that way. How do I actually live it out in a world like the one we live in? That'll be part two to this, to the answer to Paul's question here of if, if sin may grace abound, why not keep on sinning? Well, that's not who you are anymore. You're free from that. How do you live that out? starts by considering it so, and then... We'll get to part two in next week, so be sure you tune in next week to hear exactly how you can live out this newfound freedom that you have in Christ. All right, there you go. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in once again. As always, uh, bear in mind this is a listener-supported podcast. I'm able to to take the time to do this because of generous people who support this work and this ministry and this show. And if you wanna, if you wanna support the work, there's two ways you can do it. You can become a patron. Of the Bible and Life podcast through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash John Whitaker. I'll put a link to that down below. Uh, and if you do that, you get bonus podcasts and uh, some other bonuses through the Patreon page. Or you can go to my website and up in the upper right, it says donate. And that takes you to uh, World Family Mission where you can donate uh, to me and you can actually get the tax write-off if you live here in the States as you're listening to that. And so... You can, uh, you can support the ministry that way uh, through the World Family Mission. So uh, that is a tremendous blessing to all of you who are either patrons through Patreon or who are donating through World Family Mission. And God bless you guys. Thank you so much for your generous support. It means the world to me and my family and enables this podcast and my YouTube channel and uh, really this whole online ministry to continue on and keep going forward. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, God bless you guys. May the Lord bless you and keep you until next week when we talk again here on The Bible and Life. We will talk to you soon.